Welcome to No Heart Left Behind's Hope in the Heart of Family Life podcast. I'm your host and executive director of No Heart Left Behind, Alicia Stickles. If we're honest, family life can be hard. Family can be our greatest blessing, but also the source of our deepest wounds. At No Heart Left Behind, we have a passion to empower families to thrive with the Word of God and the love of Christ. So each week, we're going to have real conversations about hard issues facing families today. It is our hope that you would be equipped with practical tools based on biblical principles for when life happens and relationships get messy. In other words, how do we flesh out all those Bible verses we know when life isn't looking like we had hoped? If you're in a season of family life that feels hopeless or you have a heart to navigate the challenges of family well, but just don't know how, you're in the right spot. So whether you are driving in your car or checking off one of your honeydews, pop in those earbuds and come find hope in the heart of family life with us. Welcome friends to another episode of Hope in the Heart of Family Life uh, with No Heart Left Behind. My name is Alicia and I am the host of the show and I am here again with our no Heart Left Behind founder, lead belief therapist, and my mom, Abby Shields. Do, 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 do. Oh, goodness. <laughs> um, so we have started a series of episodes where we are um, dealing with teenagers. Well, and one of the, but before we can actually get to the teenagers, and you always talk about this, you say, if you want to have good teenage years, you have to focus on the middle school years. On the middle school or the preteen years. Right. And so before we dive into all things teenager, we have uh, devoted some time here to talking about the familiar stranger. Could you just, for those of you that maybe haven't listened to, the first part in the series, part one of The Familiar Stranger, you definitely want to go back and listen to that first. But could you briefly talk about like what it, why The Familiar Stranger? What is that? Why, um, why do you why call the these? Title? Yeah, why the title? Basically because that describes your child at this age where 10, 9, 10, 11 where they're familiar, you still see them uh, occasionally hugging on you and or um, wanting to sit in your lap, but then also they're becoming strangers um, because you, they have a tendency to begin, this is the age where they begin to pull away from you and want to begin their independence away from you. And so they're familiar but they're also becoming strangers in their communication style, how they behave, how they rebel, and all of that kind of and stuff. And there's so much stuff neurologically that's oh going on in their brain in and terms of brain development. Brain so, development and physical. I feel like I can speak to a lot of the, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I mean, I have two in this kind of, I've got like one, one is nine and one is 12. And so... Jacob's 10. Oh, wait, Jacob's 10. He is 10. Yeah. Why did I say he's nine? Because I want him to be babies. I don't want them to get older. <laughs> um, but um, just like this is a, it's, you see things and you see, like you said, I'm like, oh. They never did that before. Yeah. They were. There's Alicia's that snarky children. little attitude. Yeah, <laughs> they, they get snarky attitudes. Whereas before Jacob and Jack were just 
these precious little yes ma'am kind of boys and all of a sudden they're beginning to question their mother and say no and not listen and those are not familiar behaviors that Alicia's that you have had to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's um I'm I really am liking that we're starting here <laughs> because I do want to do this well. Um and so last time we talked about just what defines, you know, a child in this age group. And the the hard part about this is that this if, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is really the time where we start, like you said, start to see our kids just want more and more independence. Right. And while that is a good thing, I mean, it's so good because, you know, it's hard for us because our job is, like you say, is to work ourselves out of a job. Right. But there are babies and we don't. But they're not your babies anymore. <laughs> I know. That's but the it's, problem. again, for the parent speaking, from, it's just hard to transition to this next like okay like this is a huge step in that important process of working myself out of a job and doing um this well and you know as they become more independent you know fears creep in of big time like socially what's going on with them socially what are they being um exposed to you know, protecting them, uh, and and a lot of fear can creep in. Right, and then you begin to parent out of fear rather than out of love, and that's where the disconnect comes in between this age child and their parents. Yeah, so let's start there. I, I want to talk about that because, I mean, I do feel like this is this is where you find out if you are a helicopter parent or not. <laughs> and so and, and a lot of that helicoptering really does it's all rooted in fear. So what do you think are some I guess some truths, some scriptures, I don't know whatever, fill in the blank that you feel like are that help a parent with managing that fear of their child growing up? Well, knowing that you're one, that your children are not your children. Yeah. Uh, they are God's and he's given them to you. Yeah. To raise them in such a manner that you point them to him and that the center of your home is controlled by your belief in Christ and the scriptures that uh, teach you to be an influence to your child rather than to try to control them. Yeah. And and that's huge. Yeah. And that's kind of what we talked about, I think, in our last series to some degree where... That we aren't supposed to be their savior, that no, we're supposed to point, point them, them to, to the, the savior. savior. Uh, right. I think I, it's also comforting to know and be reminded that... Um, that God, God loves our kids more than we do. And so any any shortcoming or mistake, like God is going to use all of it. Right. For his good. For his and good. and For his, his glory. Yeah. And, and his our, purposes. And his purpose for our life. I Absolutely. think knowing that and reminding myself of that really helps alleviate some of the fear in terms of, oh, what am I doing wrong? What mistakes they're making? Right. What are they being exposed to? You know. Right. All that kind of stuff. I have a friend of mine who raised her children, and she was not the most healthy parent, but she always 
told me, she said, she prays to the Lord, I broke them, now you can fix them. (laughs) (laughs) That's so true. I mean, that's, that's the story of our family. I broke them. I did. I was not a stellar parent. I am not speaking and teaching out of being the perfect parent. I am teaching and speaking out of my doctorate degree in life experiences as a mom who was broken and angry and abusive and how God has redeemed our family. And that's so powerful. Yeah, for sure. So what are we going to be jumping into today? Well, um, basic three, three basic things I think I'd like to touch on anyway. Um, the first one would be communication. Communicating with this aged child is different than it used to be. And then disciplining and setting boundaries. Um, real important topic. I think that's a major issue in this, um, in this age group. And then finally, learning to let go gradually. Yeah, because I think on the opposite side of the spectrum of being a helicopter mom, some parents might get to this stage and be like, oh, well... Figure it out on your yeah, own yeah. kind of thing. And Ab- absolutely. so um, that's not looking for the middle ground and how to let go gradually instead of, you know, all at once, giving right. them a cushion to fall back on. And, and here's the other thing I want to say is that all of your parenting issues and suggestions, we're not going to be able to cover it in a 30-minute podcast, you know, don't you think, Alicia, is that we we want them to understand that, yes, we are giving them tips and tricks here, but at the same time, it takes more than just a 30-minute session with listening. Absolutely, for yeah. sure. I mean, but I believe that the things that we are going to give them would be such that um, they will be able to get a good foundational start. Yeah. Absolutely. So when it comes to communication during this uh, time period with your child, what like what makes it so difficult? Like, how does it change? Why is it so difficult? And what's kind of the goal of communication during this this time period? Yeah, I think the thing that makes it most difficult is that when you are trying to start a conversation with your child, they give you one-word answers. Yes. I see that with you <laughs> and your son. So true. <laughs> you know, she'll say, how was your day? Fine. What'd you do? Nothing. Oh, no. My favorite is this because, right, because you're supposed to, you know, do the open-ended thing. Well, we're going to what. That. Tell me what your favorite part of the day was. Recess. Like that. Always. <laughs> always. <laughs> then we need to change the questions, and I'll be talking about that in just a little bit. Okay. But uh, so that I think that's the toughest thing. And parents get frustrated because they read the parenting books. They come to counseling and the counselors tell them do this, this and this. Ask open ended questions. (laughs) I'll give you your open ended questions. (laughs) (laughs) And so anyway, I think that's the hardest thing is to not get frustrated and to understand that the reason they do that is that they, and it depends on the question you're asking them, they, they perceive that you're prying into their personal life. As we touched on the, in the first episode, don't you remember, Alicia, the, uh, we were talking about social is so important and they, 
they want to create their own little environment that is just theirs and that they don't have to share with mom or dad. So when you're asking them, when you're asking Jack those questions or any child, is that they're going to be protective of that social part. Yeah, so are you saying that you feel like if a parent is just asking their kid about, you know, whatever's going on or whatever in their attempts to try to, like, the, the child receives that as you're, you're, you're invading, prying, right. invading my, my, privacy my privacy and my independence. Right, okay. Right. So be aware of that. So, but the, remember the goal of communication at this age, it is to stay connected to your child. That connection at this level, at this age is so important. And it's basically, do you understand them and care? Yeah. That's what is going to keep you connected. Even if you don't understand them, the, your form of communication, which we will get into in just a little bit, allows them to feel safe with you, that you're not going to ridicule them and or tell them that their ideas were stupid or yeah. if, if you were uh, doing it, you would do it this way. Okay? Yeah. And I, I think we touched on this in the season opener, at least it's something that I it helps me to remember is that like I am, I am building a foundation. So, you know, there might be 20 days that, you know, I, I, I try to ask questions to get to know my child's heart and they come back with like one word answers, everything from how was your day to, you know, how are things going with your friends or whatever? And they don't give me much, but I, I, I try to remember is that I am sending regardless of their response, I am sending them the message that I care about what's going on. And regardless of, because I think what happens with parents sometimes is that we just quit trying because it seems like it's not doing anything, right? right? Like it just, it feels like, well, they're not answering. They don't like to talk, blah, blah, blah. They get annoyed when I talk to them. So why bother? So why bother? And we just quit. And to me, I'm reminded that, okay, I am building something bigger than just this moment. I am building security and sending messages of love to them. Whether they respond to me or not, that's not going to determine. That's not the goal. Whether I keep showing up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Your job as a parent is to keep showing up, keep talking to them, let them know that they matter. Yeah. Uh, we've talked about that numerous times in other episodes, yeah. etc. So, if the goal of conver- or communication during this time is to stay connected, what are some, right. what does that look like, and what are some different ways that, that we parents can, can do that? Right, right. I think the first thing is make casual conversation. Okay, I mean casual conversation, especially like not at home. When they come home and walk through the door and you're right there and going, well, how was your day? Blah, blah, blah. But more, I I like conversation when you are riding in a car. Mm -hmm. I think the car is is a great, safe place for a child to be able to talk to mom and dad. Yeah. Okay. Example. Okay. Because remember, just as we said, when you, they oftentimes feel that you're prying instead of just trying to stay connected. So... You want these open-ended questions, okay? Hmm. There's another one of them. I know it. Therapists. But, but keep doing that. Yes. Okay? 
and with questions like, what do you like most about school? Not just what did you do today? Nothing. But what do, what do you like most? And then also in the same thing, what do you like least? And then letting those conversations move you into deeper conversation based on the child. Yeah. Okay. And to, so do yeah. you understand that? Yes, I do. Okay. And a lot of times they will say all of it. Well, I don't know. And that's, again, where I feel like it's just like, don't give up. Just don't keep keep, keep pursuing right. their hearts. Yeah. I thought, like, another time, my boys, and they probably do this to, like, avoid going to bed, which, you know, okay, I'll take it, is they talk a lot. At bedtime. At bedtime. And that's a good thing. So you might want to you know, start so bedtime it, just a little bit earlier. Yeah, so and it's know. just figuring out, like, when do my kids, want to talk? when are they the most conversational? Because I think it's different for... Yeah every kid but like with mine i find i have the most um dialogue with them right before they're going to bed like yeah. i said it's probably because they're trying to avoid bedtime and they don't want me to leave right. <laughs> but hey that's okay that's fine <laughs> right i would rather have 15 minutes more later bedtime and have the connection than to not have that yeah you know absolutely. so there's where you need to be flexible in yeah. those types of things yeah okay a, a, a question that i i absolutely love to try to get connected to your child is what do you think is the hardest part of growing up because this is a hard time oh that's a good one yeah i've never asked my kids that yeah what's what's hard about growing up what do you miss about being little what do you what are the challenges that you're facing now and then you know what do you need help with and and maybe just maybe they'll open up the main thing is that they they know you're listening yeah that you don't you just don't hurry through this yeah it's really important that you you and you don't want to talk to them while you are doing something now another side shoulder to shoulder type conversation would be where uh, if you're working in the kitchen i know alicia you do a good job, and so does your your. <laughs> don't say I don't go in the kitchen. Yes, Carrie you goes do. in the kitchen. Right. But both of you do a good job talking to your kids while you're making breakfast, or the kids are helping with dinner, and finding that place where you're both doing something, mm-hmm. and as you're doing something, conversing and talking and having fun and being silly. And um, I know that when you and the boys, when at Christmas time, when you get them involved in making cookies and the birthday cake for baby Jesus, that you get playful with them, and you know you'll throw flour at them, or you'll take your floured hand and put it on their face, or you know that's those, communicating with that's them. That's communicating with them. That's being playful with them. Yeah. Okay. That's that's a form. It's because it's connecting. Remember. Communication is not just talking. It's goofing around. It's being silly. It's being uh, informative. There's all types of communication. It's your uh, body language. One of the things you always talk about me is the, <laughs> the when, when I would give you the look and how what did I communicate to you that I wasn't happy with you and that I didn't even need to say anything. So remember that communication is not just words. Yeah. And I I believe that being silly and goofy and playful goes a long way with this age, even though they think you're goofy and they'd like it. All righty. And I have one young man in my office right now that I've been communicating with. And that that's the one thing I changed with his mother about don't be so serious all the time. Play with your 
12-year-old and your 11-year-old and, you know, throw flour at them or whatever. <laughs> All right? No, you have a mess to clean up, but that mess went a long way to connect you to your child. Yeah. Um, I think one thing that you always talk about is knowing the difference between conversation and lecturing. Oh, yes. Because a lot of times when we... You know, when we ask our kids questions and they do tell us what's going on or where we go, we go right into just telling like them either what they nagging should do. them or, or telling them how they should, what they should do or, you know, whatever. So talk a little bit about conversation versus lecturing. Real simple. Okay. Conversation is you talk and then you get quiet and you listen and you let them talk. Okay. Lecture is just you talk. You know, you're talking and you're telling them what they should do, what they shouldn't do, what they have to do, what they must do. And they're going to shut down. It's kind of like talking to them on the phone and they're going to pull the phone away from you, from their ear and let you talk. But they ain't listening. And that's that's huge. So be aware of conversation. It's it's a two way street. You say something but then you let your child talk. And I think um, when you're letting them talk, like validating yes. how they're feeling, like yes. I think one thing um, to stay, that I really try to stay away from is like even if, you know, if my kid tells is sharing how he's feeling about something, and even if I think this is the dumbest thing, like why would you even <laughs> think that or feel that way? Like, not trying to to fix it, like validate their feelings or, or you know, show compassion towards their feeling. Like, I'm sorry you're feeling that way or, yeah, right. just... It, validate it, back to them. Speak back to them what you hear them saying. Yes, and yeah. don't always rush in to fix it. Again, just listening. Listen. Because, I mean, it just validates them right. as a person. If there's so. one word that I can say with communication at this age is just listen. Just take the time to listen. But if you're in a hurry or you, you got a schedule like a bank president that just keeps you constantly on the move, you're not going to take the time to listen. And that's so important. Yeah. So, but here's here's a question of where... I would love for you to clarify is the fact that, you know, you always tell me, um, you're, you're their parent. You're not their friend. Right. So like if, and that can be squirrely, right? Because the parent or the authority figure or whatever, it's like we instruct, we correct, we, you know, well, all of these that's things. That's called being a parent. Right. But you say, like, I guess, how do those two play together? Because in one breath we're saying, you know, you're their parent, not their friend. They need an authority figure, but then we're not supposed to tell them what to do either. No, that's I didn't. I never said don't tell them what to okay, do. Okay, yeah. So that's the, what I'm asking: the, is how the, does it? The key word is balance. That's what I mean. It's yeah. like what? What All do you right. feel like that balance looks like? Well, it, it looks like first listening, and then saying, "All right." When I was your age, okay, and I hate that sentence, when I was your age, but the fact of the matter is, you know, your experience of your gives you the opportunity to say the only difference between you and I, sweetheart, if you're talking to your 
sons, the only difference is the number of hours that I have spent here on this earth. And, mm -hmm. and that has lent itself to me having some experience. And let me share with you the experience that I've had in this area. Yeah. Okay. Does that make sense? I think sense? it also helps your kid identify, like, you know. Yeah, that you're real. So you're yeah. like sharing from your own experiences the way that you communicate that wisdom to them. Right. Exactly. Like when I saw Steve, when Stephen would come home and be talking about being rejected by his friends, I could say, I know how you feel. Yeah. Because when I was your age, I was never chosen. I was always chosen last on the kickball teams. Yeah. You know, and then they didn't even want me on the team because I was such a horrible athlete. <laughs> <laughs> but yet you were a PE teacher at I know, one point. <laughs> don't even go there. <laughs> yep. Um, so naturally in this stage of I mean, this is always another huge thing that comes up that I really think becomes an issue at this age is, is discipline. Um, I wanted to read because, you know, how we respond when our kids make mistakes because they're, they are gaining more independence. They're going to make more mistakes and they're going to make bigger mistakes than like, say, you know, forgetting to pick up their toys when they, you know, were two. And how we handle these things, um, it, it's, it's very important. And so I wanted to read this and it says, um, I have come to a frightening conclusion. I, meaning the parent, am the decisive element in my home. It is my daily mood that makes the weather. As a leader, I possess tremendous power to make an individual's life miserable or joyous. I could be a tool of torture or an instrument of inspiration. I can humiliate or humor, hurt or heal. In all situations, it is my response that decides whether a crisis will be escalated or de-escalated and an individual humanized or dehumanized. That is such a good statement there because it's true you are the one who controls alicia your the culture of your home yeah by how you respond yeah and we can either respond in a way that christ would respond or we can respond with our flesh yeah there's a scripture that talks about um, jesus and how he would respond and it's in First Peter chapter 2, 23 and 24, where it says, When they hurled their insults at him, he didn't retaliate. And when he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. That's our job as parents, is to entrust our children into the one who judges justly. Our job is to, one, discipline out of love. That is huge. Not to discipline and to have them be fearful of you as a parent, okay? Yeah, because I think the, the squirrely part to this is that, you know, whenever we're having to discipline our child, they have done, they've made a poor choice. Right. And most of the time, that stirs a lot of anger and frustration in us as parents. Um, and that, I mean, how we handle the that anger and those emotions you know, we, we had talked about in our parenting series about how to discipline means to teach. Right. But a lot of times we will discipline out of, out of anger. Right. Right. Absolutely. And so, 
if we're disciplining it out of anger, um, that's not discipline. Because we get angry, we yell at the kid, and we walk away. Because if you remember, the goal of discipline is to teach. When you scream and yell at your child and then walk away, did you give him, there was no help given, there was no guidance given, and there was no wisdom given from your heart. But the heart of a child, then if that's the type of discipline you use, it's not changed for the better. It's even wounded. And so it's really important to remember not to use and discipline out of anger. Yeah. Remember, anger is what? Do you remember that? Yes, the illusion that you have control. The, yeah, it's yeah. an emotion that gives you the illusion you have control. Yep. And you don't. Yeah, and yeah. and I find that when I, when I, like, come at my kids with, like, this, re- when I just react to what they do and, you know, let the full weight of my emotion and frustration come out on them. Like it escalates the situation. It doesn't de-escalate. And that's kind of what that little blurb was talking about is that how I respond to my child's poor choices very much dictates whether they learn and grow. I mean, I, I'm, obviously I can't control that, but right. it influences whether they learn and grow from their mistake or if they, you know, we right. just get mad at each other and drive a wedge, you know. Right. And, then, and one thing can lead to the next, and that's why it's important to be aware of your words and your actions and then to be also also to become aware of, of power struggles because at this age there's going to be a power struggle. They want to do what they want to do, and you want them to do what you expect them to do. And yeah. so that can that can um, come up. And so you you want to make sure that you set boundaries at this age um, that they can work within. Okay, which would be the boundaries to, that need to be clear. In other words, what is what are the expectations that you have of your child? And you let them know that. So why is discipline so hard during this, during these teenage years? Well, actually, I mean, discipline's always hard. But right. what particular about this age? I think it has it to do, it has to do with them looking at your authority and them wanting to have their own authority over their lives. Um, and they see your authority as a threat to their freedom or ah. a threat to their freedom, mm-hmm. you know. And so um, I think power, that one of the biggest things is the power struggles that come up between your children, your boys and, you know, anyone else and, and you, okay. Um, so it, let's take a look at those power struggles. Power struggles come out of of uh, either fear or love power struggle in in you're telling you're trying to take they perceive that you're trying to take away their freedom so you want to get that's why it's so important to give them choices during this and that's where you can use choices to set the boundaries Mm -hmm. do you choose if you choose to do this again you're going to be choosing the consequences if you choose to do this you're going to choose the rewards i mean we've i've pretty much hone that in in every parenting thing I do is yeah. that, especially at this age to begin to give them choices over their life yeah now. so and in, just being really clear about right. what those things are in terms of you know um, what will happen if they choose 
to obey to obey or or what will happen if they choose to disobey and i think it's just as important in in terms of discipline to reward their kids when am i praising my kids when they do right as much as i am criticizing them when they screw up right. and that's a that's a big checkpoint of yeah. do i spend as much time Praising them. Praising them when they do the thing, or do I just expect it and move on and don't even right. highlight it? Right. And that's so important. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's also important to tell them what to do rather than not what to do. You want what not to do. When, then what, yeah. Did I say that? Yeah. What not to do. <laughs> I don't know. So, yeah. Tell them, I would like you to do this, and I am asking you not to do this example i just heard you correct your kids you had asked them to empty the dishwasher and you asked them three times what to do and you told them i need you to empty the dishwasher they chose not to do that therefore then you said what you chose not to do that what i asked you to do therefore you now chose the consequence which was not only to empty the dishwasher but then to reload the the dirty dishes into the dishwasher. Mama doesn't have to do the dishes. I think of another one, like when Jude, um, he's my youngest. uh, He's seven. So I'm getting all the ages right. Um, You know, sometimes his anger will get the best of him. And, you know, his brothers do something to make him mad. And, you know, he'll, he'll pop off and bop them. And so... You know, of co- obviously there are consequences for when we lay hands on, you know, our siblings. But instead of say, just saying, don't hit your brother, okay, because he's he obviously has this, like he's angry. So not only do I tell him not what not to do with his anger, it's okay, what do you do with this yeah. anger? Because it's not about not being angry. Right. It's... You know, we always say you can't hurt people and you can't hurt things when you are angry. It's okay to be angry. And so then we talk about, okay, what what do we do instead of punching our brother? And what does he come up with? <laughs> and, you know, when we talk about, we, now he knows and I remind him is come tell, you know, come tell mom. Uh, that's the one thing that he'll do most. But, you know, he said other things like count to 10 or go, you know, leave the room, you know, just different things like that. But that's what's, that's the teaching part, right? Is that we can't just tell our kids what not to do because I mean, they have these big emotions and they're doing the best they can. Right. We have to teach them what to do. Right. You know, in those situations. So uh, as we're coming to a close of this podcast on discipline and communication and stuff basically your discipline guidelines are which i've told you about already to use choice language another one is be consistent and follow through that one's really hard (laughs) do not and do not ground the child for a month because you're not going to be able to follow through on that yeah I see that a lot in my counseling office where the parents say one thing, but they do another. And so they lose the respect of the child because the child can know that the child knows that 
nah, mom, I'll take my chances. Yeah. You know? Yep. And so um, have your children be take part in uh, coming up with the consequences and rewards um, ha- and have a, a consequence sheet hanging on the uh, refrigerator that maybe you can say, okay, go pick one of the consequences from the sheet on the refrigerator. And then also a rewards, have them come up and have input so that it's not just you. It's the, it's a dialogue between the two of you. Gotcha. You hear that? Mm-hmm. You know, and then, um, apologize saying, I am sorry is so important in yeah. a child's life. It is. I don't think parents do that enough to say I was wrong. And you've got to put your pride aside and realize that, you know what, you're not a perfect parent. Well, and I think the other thing it models is like one of the things, if we want to teach our kids what forgiveness is and what it looks like, like we need to model that to them. We don't need to, they don't need to see our perfection. They need to see how to handle their humanity. Absolutely. Because I mean, none of us are perfect. And so if, if I'm showing my kids that, I can humble myself and go to them and ask for forgiveness when I yell too much or I'm grumpy or, you know, whatever I do, um, then they see that. Right. And which in turns, and I've started to see this in my oldest, is that he doesn't, I mean, I don't have anything to compare it to, but I've, one of the things I love about him is that when he is being a jerk, (laughs) <laughs> like he, he does, he comes and apologizes to that's, me. But I think that's as a result of both my husband and I being willing to be humble enough to apologize to them. Right. They, they see it. Yep. And so then they model it or right. they do it. Absolutely. All right. And then to remember, you don't have control over your kids. You have influence with your words that come out of your mouth, your actions. And then when they leave, ultimately it's when your child leaves your presence, do they walk away going, wow, I love the way I feel about me when I'm around my parents or, oh, I can't, I don't want to go around them anymore because of the way they make me feel in a negative way. Yeah. And I think you and Carrie do a great job with, with that yeah. as far as honoring your kids. So the, the final thing that we had talked about was just letting go right. and how this is such an important step. That's kind of the beginning parts of, of letting go. Right. What... And that's, that involves the next eight years. Okay. If, if you're talking at starting this around 10, 9, 10, um, you have the next eight years to begin this process. And it starts now at this age. And, and if you heard me, I think I said process. It's not a once and done thing. Okay. And the, I guess the, the, at this age, it's important for you to remember that the time you spend as a family is going to begin to change. I've seen that with you and your boys mm-hmm. is that they are starting to get into extracurricular activities. Um, you're going to on weekends, you spend a lot of your time in the gym and or you're letting their friends come over and um, activities with their friends. And so you're d- spending time different than you were back when they were little. Yeah. You know, and um, so it's it's important that you start slow. And maybe you can tell them some of the things that you've done with Jack and Jacob as far as giving them decision-making responsibilities that they make the decision, you don't make the decision for them. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, so 
a lot of times, yeah. So a lot of times at the beginning of the uh, of the school year, we'll sit down and we'll talk about the year and the expectations. Um, and they love being a part of choosing what their chores are going to be um, for this for this year. We talk about bedtime, you know, and and they'll adjust wanting to adjust their bedtime and how late they go to bed and and so giving especially the older ones like a range to kind of choose from but letting them choose their bedtime it's and they this seems like such silly stuff but it Mm -hmm. really does give them this idea that you are including them their ideas matter that you believe in their ability to be responsible and and they're not going to do it perfectly and i think that's the hard part about this time is letting them fail yep absolutely letting them letting them fail and mm-hmm. I, that is a really hard one for me <laughs> cuz i don't want them to fail yeah, no um, parent wants their child to fail but it i would rather have them fail with little things like this than with bigger things as they get older yes you know and so yeah. and then finally in letting go and i mean there's so much more but it's a start is to just be available and it's this part for you as a parent alicia um, it's the process of going from manager to mentor and then from caretaker to the authority figure. Mm-hmm. All right. And just guiding and directing these next seven, eight years as they go through these stages, it's, you're going to be guiding them and directing them and, and doing these things that we've asked, you yeah. know, that we've talked about today. Yeah. yeah. I, I've heard, um, something I follow on Instagram, uh, just talking about, um, that, your role as a parent starts to shift more towards discipleship than um, being the the manager. Right. You yeah. know, it's, mm-hmm. again, teaching them how to be their own parent. Right. And so I would say sit back, relax, know that God ultimately has control over all of this. And he's given these children to you to point them to him and to allow him to be a major part of your family's life. And so uh, these are just some tips and things that I pray that you can use to be able to enjoy this time. It's not, don't come into this stage of teenagers. I hear so many parents going, oh my gosh, I'm going to the teenage years. Teenage years and preteen years can be a wonderful thing. Yeah, they really can. And they are. Thank you so much for joining us on No Heart Left Behind's Hope in the Heart of Family Life podcast. We hope you felt seen, encouraged, and just a little more equipped to love your family well. If you want to learn more about No Heart Left Behind, be sure to check out our website, www.noheartleftbehind.com, or visit the link in the show notes. If you love the podcast, we would love it if you would follow us on your favorite podcast player. And if you love this episode, please share it with a friend. Your encouragement is not just for our egos. It really helps others find the show and encourages them to check it out. Mother Teresa said, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. So until we see you again next week, go home and be a world changer.